Hi everyone, I'm Kina. I'm Catherine. And I'm Juliet. And we're a team of three high schoolers committed to engaging in meaningful discussion and learning more about the topics we're passionate about. Our conversations range from politics to social justice to environmental reform. Anything goes. Welcome to All of the Above Out Loud. Welcome back everyone. We're so excited that you're here to join us again. It's our seventh episode and today we're talking about a really important subject, human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So this issue is one that hits close to home for us because human trafficking is really prevalent in not just California, but you know, specifically where we live with me and Kat living in Los Angeles and Juliet living in the Central Valley. So because human trafficking is not really talked about too often, and it's also a sort of confusing subject. Uh, we decided it would be useful for you guys to hear the exact definition of it, which was provided by the Department of Justice. Under US federal law, tra human trafficking is defined as sex trafficking in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such act has not attained 18 years of age. Or, the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjugation to involuntary servitude, peonage, debt bondage, or slavery. Yeah. So basically like working without, you know, your consent to work and being yeah. held there against your will, simply put. Yes. So some human trafficking statistics before Evelyn comes. An estimated 24, and this is from 2020, I believe from the Department of Justice or ACLU, we will we will link. An estimated 24.9 million victims are trapped in modern day slavery and of these 16 million were exploited for labor, 4.8 million were sexually exploited and 4.1 million were exploited in state imposed forced labor. So despite the fact that it's not something that is talked about too much, it is indeed a huge problem in the United States. Okay, thank you for the stats, Julia. So our guest Evelyn is here and we're gonna kick off the episode. So Evelyn, could you please introduce yourself and kind of talk about the work that you do with the Central Valley Against Human Trafficking? So my name is Evelyn Gonzalez and I am currently our outreach coordinator. So um, it's a brand new position for me, um, but I was, uh, I have been a case manager advocate with the agency since about 2013. So I've been advocating, I guess, for victims for a while. So this is the, the first time that I'm going to be doing a lot more um, training and outreach on the subject. I was basically linking services, linking clients with services, just all sorts of every single client has their own unique story and they have their own unique needs. So it's been a learning process and it continues to be a learning process even for right now and then which I believe helps me with the new position that I'm in now because I have a lot of stories to share insight yeah that's really interesting I was actually wondering like how you originally got involved too with the organization so I was already working with um, Fresno EOC is our local community action agency here um, in Fresno they had just created human trafficking in Fresno County was kind of like the topic, you know, that was what was being talked about. We had just got funding 
because part of our program also had a youth, uh, youth shelter. So we have a youth shelter. It's the only youth shelter in the Central Valley for 12 to 18-year-old children that need somewhere to go. And they started to realize that they were hearing a lot of consistencies and stories within the youth that were coming into the shelter, talking about them being forced to do things that they really didn't want to do in order to meet their needs while they were, you know, on the run, which um, our organization ended up looking into, looking into it and discovered, you know, it was human trafficking and we got the funding. So at that same time, I was going to finish my, my bachelor's and I ended up doing my internship with this organization, this specific project. That's really great. So from your story, it's kind of like you've been involved in this for pretty much your entire career, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool. And so I'm from the Central Valley. Like I grew up in Fresno. And so I have heard a lot of the dialogue around human trafficking and why it's so bad here. And I just want to, um, because a lot of our listeners aren't from Fresno, I just want to ask what makes the Central Valley especially susceptible to human trafficking in the first place? So I, you know, we talk about Central Valley. There, there are certain areas that will make it, you know, unique to certain types of trafficking, but everybody has their own um, vulnerabilities, right? It's all about vulnerabilities. So what are the vulnerabilities? We have a really low poverty here right? It's, it's the poverty rate here is, is probably it's higher than anywhere else in California. Um, that in itself is already a vulnerability. We're also, um, have a lot of immigrants, right? So a lot of immigrants that for, you know, whatever reasons had to flee and come here who are now vulnerable too, because they don't understand the rights um, they're just trying to survive, which makes them a perfect target for somebody to exploit them. We have a huge number of runaway youth, especially within like the foster care system. We have a pretty high um, drug use, especially with the meth, you know, um, here that makes people vulnerable. So there's a lot of vulnerabilities here in the Central Valley, but like each area has its own vulnerabilities as well. Yeah, um, the, the Central Valley really is not immune to like a lot of different kind of health disparities that are really perpetuated throughout our entire country, but really concentrated within this area. So, you know, the work that a lot of these organizations do in Fresno is really great because there are so many structural determinants that really control a lot of people's lives here. And so, you know, kind of finding ways to mitigate that is really important work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things that, you know, where we try to do is like the education part of it, Um, because a lot of people, you'll still hear a lot of people really believe that it doesn't happen here. Like it, it, this is something that happens in third world countries. It's something that happens somewhere else. It doesn't happen here. One of the, one of the, in my experience, what's been very difficult, even sitting in, um, you know, in cases, you know, where the jury has to be taught about human trafficking, we come from a very privileged background. So people that are from here, if you feel like going to work, you go to work. If you don't feel like going to work, you don't go to work. Um, So it's really hard for people to understand 
how somebody could be forced into an exploitive situation. Um, because you always get these comments about, well, why didn't they leave? Like they don't understand the complexity about human trafficking. And I remember in one specific case, um, we had three victims of human trafficking. Well, they were, they were, they were three victims of human trafficking. So this, um, the perpetrator was going to the exploiter. The trafficker was, you know, being charged with three counts of human trafficking. Um, and they only were able to charge on one count. And the explanation was because that one person didn't have their documents. This is how people still don't understand that you can't leave. It wasn't the psychological abuse. It wasn't the threats to the family. It wasn't like they, they it was it's just hard to understand that you just couldn't leave. And kind of on that same note, is there another important issue of trafficking that most people don't know about or it's not talked enough about? I feel like in the Central Valley, in with you know my experience, is um, probably the labor aspect of it, the labor exploitation. And we don't have specific laws when it comes to human trafficking worldwide. They, there's three forms of trafficking, which is human trafficking, I mean, sex trafficking, labor trafficking, organ trafficking. And our laws don't really um, get into the organ trafficking part of it, but we have had cases where people have been trafficked to the U.S. Um, to basically get remove their organs. Um, that is one that isn't talked a lot about. And then the labor trafficking part of it. And when we're talking about the labor tra trafficking part of it, the labor trafficking encompasses so many things. We have had several cases of um, Nigerian boys trafficked um, to play basketball. Work and labor can look so many different ways. I talk about these things. I have a lot of people say that we're not even looking for that. Like that's not even what we're looking for. When we're working with our families, we're looking for sex trafficking. We're not looking for the labor part of it. Um, so there's a lot of people that are being missed that could be offered services or get helped from, get the information needed to get out of their situation, but have been missed. Um, when it comes to labor trafficking, are there any signs that you can really look for? I, I know that we had a case where it was a young, a young girl that was working at this family restaurant. So obviously people thought it was the family daughter. But eventually there was like, I remember this specific couple saying it didn't sit well with them that they started to see that she was like cooking. She was doing a lot more than, you know, um, like a child should be doing. They made it kind of like their own um, mission to just like talk to this girl um, to the point where she ended up reaching out for help for them and telling them that those were not her parents. And that they were supposed to adopt her, but they weren't in the adoption process yet. And they were making her work. I believe it was like 60 hours a week um, after school. She might have been like 12. Um, so sometimes it's a little bit harder. It's just paying attention to things that maybe you're like, this isn't normal. Like, you know, you're, you're going to have to develop a relationship with somebody that you feel might be a victim. Um, or the other thing is um, when they're coming into you, being able to ask, uh, it takes a little bit of training to being able to ask um, maybe what were you doing while you were in that situation? Yeah, that's really helpful for us to like be aware of like the signs for us when we're out and about. 
Um, and not only are there social concerns and social challenges in human trafficking, but also we saw on your website that you talked about environmental concerns. Could you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Um, trafficking, exploiting people, right? It's money, right? Who's this going to benefit? How's the trafficker going to be able to benefit? So they're always looking for ways that they can exploit a situation, right? So every area is going to look very different. But if we're talking about, you know, environmental things, we're talking about natural disasters, right? We're talking about um, political instability in areas. So it's all the environment, right? Or we're even thinking climate change, which is making people leave maybe their areas because maybe they can't farm anymore or they can't. So it's making these people vulnerable. They have to move. This is a perfect opportunity for traffickers to exploit those situations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's really important for all of us to just kind of like extend a little bit of empathy for, you know, people and, you know, realizing that the situation is not hardly ever what it seems like on the surface um, because there are like all the things that you're talking about all these vulnerabilities are pretty invisible unless you kind of put them together and then kind of see the full picture so um, and that can be said about a lot of the different kinds of social things we see in our lives like even just like homelessness too and so yeah that's something that's really important um, so one of my friends did a speech on human trafficking in the Fresno region and a big part of her speech was focusing on uh, advocating policy that would help uh, survivors of human trafficking reintegrate themselves into society, specifically like sex trafficking uh, survivors, because I know that's a huge problem. Uh, so what are some of the challenges survivors of human trafficking may face? So this is for all of them. So for example, if we, if I had a client that came to me and was a sex trafficking victim, right, and can identify or explain to me that maybe at some point um, she thought that this was going to be her partner or her boyfriend or something. It's so easy for me to get access for, um, to maybe shelter for her. Right. So now let's talk about when we're doing labor trafficking. Um, they're not in a domestic violence situation. They're not in a sexual assault violence situation. Finding housing for labor trafficking victims is they're so different. All of them have their unique needs, but it's just, it's very different. So when we're talking about getting resources. I know one of the things that we really, really, you know, we're advocating and we're always looking for funding for is just those housing opportunities for all victims of trafficking just in general, like all of them. One of the biggest things that I know we would like to see is just more housing opportunities for victims to more long term. So a lot of shelters are like 30, 60, 90 days, right? That in reality isn't enough for somebody to process their exploitation or their trauma. I've had a few of my clients tell me that they were referred, you know, maybe to a therapist in their areas. We're looking at rural communities and I've had them come back and tell me they focus so much on how my exploitation happened that they feel so uncomfortable that it's so hard for them to even go through. They're like, they're asking about what, what that looked like. They want, you know, and it makes them very uncomfortable. So even having the right therapist, I feel for trafficking situations, um, there's a lack of. Yeah, so what are some ways that we can support survivors? Um, I mean, in different, I don't know if you're asking maybe like supporting agencies with like volunteering or 
I know that we have a lot of people that will always ask how they can, what they can give us to help. Um, and I know that we're always asking for gift cards because that's what's easiest, you know, for us to be able to help them like during their, during their recovery, during their rehabilitation, maybe if you want to call it that way, when they're trying to just process and readapt, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a change because now, you know, they're, they're transforming into a whole new person, you know, from past exploitation to new. Right. Um, and during that phase, it's, it's, you know, there's only so much, um, help that an agency can give, but if we had, those gift cards, then it's kind of like those are unrestricted and we can assist with what comes, you know, during that time um, for them. Um, but volunteering, uh, one of the things that you, that also is like what you guys are doing right now is just educating the community um, because a lot of people still don't think it exists or they only think it's sex trafficking and it's not labor trafficking. So you're not looking at that. Um, so educating yourself as much as possible, because if you're, if you're knowledgeable about it, even if you suspect, suspect something, you know, you can call in a tip. Um, and that, that could mean helping somebody who has no idea that there's help for them. In our office, in my experience, since I've been working there, I have only had a few callers call and self-identify as victims. And the only reason that they have self-identified is because they probably were already victims in another area. So they knew that they had been victims before. And so they were specifically looking for an anti-trafficking agency in this area. Other than that, all of our calls have been community calls, um, letting us know that they suspect that somebody is a victim of human trafficking. So it's, it hasn't been them reaching out. It's really good to know, actually. I didn't realize that. No, they, um, they don't know that they're victims. Yeah, that's tough. tough. But um, another question we had was, how can we protect ourselves as teen girls from trafficking? Oh, teen girls. I, you know, that's, I, that one's really complex as well, because, you know, everybody has their unique story, right? So every, every girl has her own unique story, her own family, her own traditions, her own cultures, her own. So it, it could look different for, um, for everybody. But I, I feel like for me, it's always going to be get the education, get the education, get the knowledge. Um, and then always have, always have a positive adult that you can ask questions about and you can talk to about. Um, when it comes to younger girls being trafficked, um, a lot of the times when we hear things, it's this promise of love and traffickers are great at, um, creating this story for them that your family doesn't care about you. Um, and, and all of the information is being provided to the trafficker by, by that young girl or that young boy right? Because it, it could happen to, it happens to boys as well, where it's like, I'm going through this at home. This is what's happening. And so you're kind of providing information to this person that maybe was like super nice to you. And 
what they're doing is they're going to use that same information to entrap you and you won't know it. A lot of times with, um, with the younger, with the, when it's not a labor trafficking, when it's, when it's a, when it's a sex trafficking, um, situation, um, they will even sit there and be like, I, I, I think I came up with the idea of, you know, doing this, right? Selling herself or himself for us. It is my idea, but it's not really their idea. It's always a trafficker who can manipulate things around. And it makes it really hard because that's why they never see themselves as a victim because they're like, no, I chose to do this. Mm, not really. Not when we look at the grand scheme of things. Um, so I would always just say, have that positive adult that you can talk to. So if, if, if you don't have that support, if you don't have, you know, if your things are happening at home where you're not being able, you know, you can't talk to your parents, um, or you can't talk to a cousin or you can't talk to an aunt or you're in foster care. So, you know, you, I mean, you don't trust any of, of them, find somebody that you can trust and talk things through. So somebody always knows what's going on and can help you see things that maybe you're, you, you can't see. Um, and, you know, back in 2009, when we were seeing this, um, when they were talking about boyfriend, girlfriend, um, you know, it was assumed that it was somebody that was maybe their age, but the boyfriend, girlfriend, was somebody that was like 10, 15 years or eight. Let's be real. And also you talked a lot about education and I think that's incredibly important. Could you provide any resources or do you have any suggestions of any books or movies or documentaries that we could watch or read to help us learn more about human trafficking? Oh my goodness. I'm trying to think right now. And I know that I saw, I saw that question. And I was like, oh, I'm going to gather some. And then I got busy and I didn't gather. But there's a lot of good information like um, with Polaris Project. So polarisproject.org. Um, we all started around the same time. So a lot of the initial training that I got came from Polaris Project. And they are out. They are um, the agency that oversees the National Human Trafficking Resource Hotline. So that's probably one of the biggest things as well is if you suspect that anybody is a victim of the, of human trafficking to just call that number, the 888-3737-888. Um, that's nationwide and they actually operate in Mexico as well. Um, but you can call them. Um, it's pretty cool how that works. So the hotline has like a tree, like a response tree for certain communities. So if you report you know, in Fresno, they have their specific people that they're going to report this tip to so that they can respond. So whether it's a victim service agency, whether it's FBI, whether it's Homeland, whether it's the local vice unit, um, but you'll be, you'll be on top of, of those, um, of, of helping. Um, so always calling the hotline is probably going to be my, my biggest advice is if you suspect, if you feel like anything is might be an exploitive situation just to call and give a tip. Um, they're great. They also have, they also have um, on their website, the National Human Trafficking Resource um, Hotline website, 
they have a directory. So even if you were like, uh, I have a friend that reached out, but isn't quite ready to say something yet, but let me, you know, research our local, what is our local anti-trafficking agencies that can help? It'll give you a list of somebody that, that, that you know, if you're 15 and somebody's 25 or 30, there's something off there, you know? Yeah, those are really important tips for us. And I think a lot of our listeners too, who are around our age to be aware of. All the programs that are well, nationwide, you can find a program anywhere in the US through, through that website, through them. They're a great, and they have, um, they have training on like, it's called the typology of um, labor trafficking, which will discuss like 16 different types of labor trafficking on there with short little videos. So it'll break it down very easy. Yeah, so somebody can see, um, yeah, that. Um, I think every, with human trafficking, it's been, um, what I've seen is there's so much connection uh, because all of the policies that have been up there have wanted us out there for this, have wanted us to work together. So you have, you know, Homeland um, talking about trafficking. So they have the blue campaign and they provide a lot of videos to on social media, short videos of what it might look like and what to do. And then all of the local agencies would have, I would say those were probably the best agencies for you to look out because they'll be able to tell you what's going on in your community. Yeah, we'll be sure to link all the things that you just said uh, to our show notes so people can access them. Thank you. Thank you so well, much. keep doing a good job. This, is, this isn't like an easy um, subject to even talk about. And I was really surprised that you guys were, um, that chose the topic to talk about because it's not something that people really want to dive into because it's, it's, I don't think that we talked about it like so it's, it's such darkness, but it's it's pretty heavy topic. So if you want to learn more about our organization, you can find us on Instagram at AOTA Club, A-O-T-A Club, where you can find our link tree that has information about our website, our podcast, and our monthly meetings. Catch you on the flip.